0: Section 52 of The Shakespeare Story Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Shakespeare Story Book by Mary MacLeod. The Comedy of Errors, Part One: A Walk Through Ephesus. There was once a merchant of Syracuse, called Aegeon, who had two baby sons, the one so like the other that it was impossible to tell them apart. At the time these children were born, Aegeon was traveling, for his business often compelled him to make long journeys. It happened. ON THE SAME DAY, AND IN THE SELF SAME INN, A POOR WOMAN HAD ALSO TWIN SONS, THE PARENTS BEING EXTREMELY POOR, AND THOSE BEING THE DAYS OF SLAVERY, Aegeon BOUGHT AND BROUGHT UP THESE CHILDREN TO ATTEND ON HIS OWN SONS. WHEN THEY WERE STILL QUITE YOUNG, Aegeon AND HIS WIFE STARTED TO RETURN HOME. ON THE VOYAGE BACK, A DREADFUL STORM AROSE. THE SAILORS SAVED THEMSELVES IN A BOAT, BUT LEFT THE MERCHANT, HIS WIFE, AND THE CHILDREN ON THE DOOMED VESSEL. THE WIFE, SEEING THE FATE THAT THREATENED THEM, BOUND ONE OF HER CHILDREN AND ONE OF THE TWIN-SLAVES TO A SMALL MAST. THE MERCHANT WAS EQUALLY heedful OF THE OTHER TWO BOYS, AND THE CHILDREN BEING THUS DISPOSED OF, THE FATHER AND MOTHER ALSO BOUND THEMSELVES, ONE TO EACH MAST. Presently the storm abated, the sun again shone forth, and by his light the merchant saw two ships in the distance making towards them, one of which seemed to be from Corinth, the other from Epidaurus. But before they could reach them, their own ship was driven violently against a huge rock and split in two. Parents and children were tossed into the sea. The mother and the two elder boys were picked up by the fishermen of Corinth. AND AT LENGTH THE MERCHANT AND THE OTHER TWO BOYS WERE RESCUED BY THE OTHER SHIP. THE LATTER WOULD HAVE PURSUED THE FISHERMEN AND REFT THEM OF THEIR prey, BUT THAT THEIR SHIP WAS TOO SLOW OF SAIL, SO THEY HAD TO PURSUE THEIR WAY HOMEWARD. AT EIGHTEEN YEARS OF AGE, THE YOUNGEST BOY BECAME INQUISITIVE AFTER HIS BROTHER, AND BEGGED HIS FATHER TO LET HIM GO IN QUEST OF HIM, TAKING WITH HIM HIS ATTENDANT, WHO WAS IN THE LIKE PLIGHT AS HIMSELF. Aegean, himself longing to behold once more the wife and son whom he had lost, at last gave a reluctant consent. So Antiphilus of Syracuse, and Dromio of Syracuse, departed on their voyage of discovery. But time passed, and they did not return. At last, Aegean determined to go himself in search of them. Five years he spent in the furthest Greece— roaming through the bounds of asia till at last coasting homeward he came to ephesus hopeless of finding the lost boys yet loath to leave unsought either that or any place which harboured men it happened at that time owing to the enmity and discord between the towns of ephesus and syracuse that it had been agreed in solemn synod by the citizens of both to omit no traffic with the adverse town if any native of ephesus were seen at syracuse or if any native of syracuse came to the bay of ephesus he was to die and his goods were to be confiscated at the disposal of the duke unless he could levy a thousand marks to pay the penalty and ransom himself Agion, being a native of syracuse on arriving in ephesus was arrested under the law and brought before the duke his possessions not amounting to the value of even a hundred marks, he was condemned to die. The Duke of Ephesus, on hearing the pitiful tale which Aegean related, would gladly, out of compassion, have released him, but it was not possible to recall the sentence of death, which had been passed, unless the fine were paid. The Duke granted what favor lay in his power, and gave the merchant a day's grace, bidding him seek all the friends he had in Ephesus, and tried to beg or borrow the sum required in order to save his life. Unknown to Aegean, it happened that not only the son of whom he was in search, but also the other son whom he had lost years before, was at that time in Ephesus. The latter had been settled there for many years, and was married to a wife called Adriana. Both sons of the merchant were known by the same name, Antephilus and both their slave attendants were called Dromio. The resemblance which had been so strong in the infancy of the two set of twins still continued, and after the arrival in Ephesus of Antiphilus and Dromio from Syracuse, this resemblance was to lead to endless confusion. The news that a merchant of Syracuse had been arrested soon spread through the city. Antiphilus, who had just arrived after a long journey, was warned by a friendly merchant who, paying him a large sum of money, which he had in keeping for him, counseled Antiphilus not to let it be known he came from Syracuse. Antiphilus dispatched his servant Dromio with the money back to the inn, the centaur, where they were lodging, saying he would return there in an hour to dinner. In the meantime he intended to walk about and view the city, lamenting the while, that he had not yet found the lost mother and brother of whom he was in search. Much to the surprise of Antiphilus, he presently saw a man approaching, whom he took to be his servant Dromio. As a matter of fact, it was his servant's twin brother, who, for his part, mistook Antiphilus for his own master. "'What now? How chances it you are returned so soon?' demanded Antiphilus of Syracuse. "'Returned so soon?' rather approached too late, retorted Dromio of Ephesus. The capon burns, the pig falls from the spit, the clock hath struck twelve. And he went on to say that his mistress was very angry, because the dinner was getting cold, and his master had not returned. "'Stop, sir,' said Antiphilus, checking his rapid flow of words. "'Tell me this, I pray. Where have you left the money I gave you?' "'Oh!' sixpence that i had on wednesday last to pay the saddler for my mistress's crupper the saddler had it sir i did not keep it i am not in a sportive humour now said antiphilus sternly for he knew that dromio was a merry fellow who loved the jest tell me and dally not where is the money we being strangers here how dare you trust so great a charge out of your own custody but dromio persisted that Antiphilus had given him no money, and kept on begging him to come home to his wife, who was waiting dinner for him at the phoenix. Antiphilus, at last quite losing his temper at what he imagined was his servant's impertinence, fell on him, and began to beat him, whereupon Dromio took to his heels and disappeared. Upon my life, thought Antiphilus, the villain has been overreached of all my money. They say this town is full of trickery, "'such as simple jugglers who deceive the eye, "'sorcerers and witches, disguised cheaters, "'prating mountebanks, and many such-like sinners. "'If it proves so, I will the sooner be gone. "'I'll go to the centaur to seek this slave. "'I greatly fear my money is not safe.' Adriana, meanwhile, was greatly annoyed with her husband for not returning, and it was useless for her sister Luciana, to counsel patience. When Dromio came back, and instead of bringing his master reported his strange behavior, Adriana became more incensed than ever. Go back again, thou slave, and fetch him home, she commanded angrily. Go back again, and be new beaten home, said poor Dromio. For heaven's sake, send some other messenger. Hence, prating peasant, fetch thy master home, cried the irate lady threatening to strike him. Dromio thought it discreet to obey, but he went off grumbling. You spurn me hence, and he will spurn me hither. If I continue in this service, you must case me in leather. When the man had gone, Luciana rebuked her sister for her impatience, saying that probably her husband was kept by business. But Adriana would not be soothed. She was full of jealous anger, declaring that she stayed at home neglected, while her husband amused himself abroad with merry companions he was certainly tired of her and had found some one he liked better self-harming jealousy fie beat it hence said luciana but adriana paid no heed to her wise counsels preferring to make herself unhappy with groundless jealousy antiphilus of syracuse on reaching the centaur inn found that his gold was perfectly safe BUT HE WAS STILL EXTREMELY ANNOYED WITH DROMEO FOR HIS ill-timed JESTING. AND WHEN THE SLAVE APPEARED, HE ASKED HIM WHAT HE MEANT BY BEHAVING IN SUCH A FASHION. WAS HE MAD THAT HE HAD ANSWERED HIM SO MADLY? DROMEO, OF COURSE, REPLIED THAT HE HAD NEVER SEEN HIS MASTER SINCE HE PARTED FROM HIM UNTIL THAT MOMENT. AND HE FURTHER ASKED, WHAT DID HIS MASTER MEAN BY SUCH A JEST? ENRAGED BY THIS APPARENT FRESH IMPUDENCE ON THE PART OF HIS SLAVE. Antiphilus began to beat him soundly. But both master and man were to be still further bewildered, for at this moment up came two ladies, one of whom addressed Antiphilus as if he were her husband, and began to reproach him for his unkind behavior. "'Ay, ay, Antiphilus, look strange and frown,' she said. "'Some other lady has your sweet expression. I am not Adriana, nor your wife.' THE TIME WAS ONCE WHEN YOU WOULD VOW THAT NEVER WORD FOR MUSIC TO YOUR EAR, THAT NEVER OBJECT WAS PLEASING TO YOUR EYE, THAT NEVER TOUCH WAS WELCOME TO YOUR HAND, THAT NEVER meant WAS SAVORY TO YOUR TASTE, UNLESS I SPAKE, OR LOOKED, OR TOUCHED, OR CARVED IT TO YOU. HOW COMES IT NOW, MY HUSBAND? OH, HOW COMES IT, THAT YOU ARE THUS ESTRANGED FROM YOURSELF? AH, DO NOT TEAR YOURSELF AWAY FROM ME. Plead you to me, fair dame? I do not know you, answered the bewildered Antipholus. I have only been in Ephesus two hours. I am as strange to your town as to your talk. I cannot understand one word of what you say. Fie, brother, how the world is changed with you, said Luciana. When were you wont to treat my sister thus? She sent a message by Dromio to tell you to come home to dinner. By Dromio? said Antiphilus. "'By me?' echoed Dromio, who, of course, was not the one she had sent. "'By thee!' retorted Adriana, and she repeated the answer her own servant had brought back. Antipholus began to think he must be dreaming, and had been married to Adriana in his sleep. For when both the ladies insisted on his going back with them to dinner, he allowed himself to be persuaded, and determined to see what would be the end of this strange adventure? As for Dromio, he was told to act porter at the gate and to let no one enter unless he wanted another beating. End of section 52. Recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Richie, Florida.